you out of the place. But every time I look through the scripture, when I look at the history of the nation of Israel and how God delivered them from various circumstances, when I looked at how they celebrated the fact that God was good to them and that God delivered them from the hands of the enemy, they did like David. David danced out of his outer garment because he was giving God praise. Amen. And so uh, I don't want this church to ever be in a position to where you can't freely praise God. Amen. You don't have to worry about anybody looking at you. You don't, worry, you don't have to worry about the ushers coming and grabbing you and sitting you down. Unless you tan the cameras up or something like that. You know, we're going to come and grab you and say, hold on, you shout, but you shout a little bit too good. That camera costs $3,000. Come on. You. No, I'm, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> but guys, it's, it's, it's great to have an atmosphere. I feel that atmosphere here in this place. I, I sense the presence of the Lord in this place. And we're going to give him glory. We're going to give him praise. We're not going to allow anything or anybody to stop us from blessing the name of the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. That's what David said. And that, that's, my, that's, my, that's my mandate also. I, I, I want to give God the glory because he's been so good to me. Amen. I don't know about anybody else, but I know he's been good to me. God, two, two songs back to back like that, man. Glory to God. Isn't that awesome? So if you have your Bibles, guys, let's turn to Proverbs, the 29th chapter. We've been continuing with our series of asking the question, do you really care? Everybody say, do I really care? Proverbs 29, verse number 7. This will be our taking off point. Then we're going to go to the book of Job. Um, today, uh, our subtopic is going to be expressing concern. Expressing concern. Concerned. Everybody say expressing. Concerned. Say it one more time. Say expressing. Concerned. You know, uh, we're going to see some things here. Uh, we go to Job that I think will, will enlighten us and try to help us as born again believers get to the point to where we really delve down into the, the nuts and bolts of this because we've been, we've been digging deep. Because I want you to really examine yourself and to ask yourself, the pointed question and be, be real dead level honest, do I really care about people? Do I care about people enough to do what the word of God tells me to do and even make myself uncomfortable in my flesh to show that I really care? Amen. I would submit to you that the average Christian, you know, if, it's, if caring is going to cause them to be uncomfortable, they'll choose not to care. Because they don't really understand what it means to care. To care for somebody don't mean that you let them take advantage of you and you be a doormat. To really care don't mean that you let somebody use you up, take everything you got, spend all your stuff up, then leave and go, go, to, go to the next person. To really care involves much more than that, and we're going to continue to share on those things as we go through here. So Proverbs 29 Verse number seven, are you there with me? The text says what? The godly care about the rights of the poor, but the wicked, they don't care at all, right? See, as if we're going to be godly people, we're going to care about the rights of the poor. We're going to care about the rights of everybody, but particularly the rights of the poor, but the wicked don't care at all, okay? Now, we're talking about expressing concern as we ask that question, do you really care, expressing concern. Have you ever been moving along comfortably in your life with everything seeming to be going fairly well, your job going along, you got a couple of promotions, you got some raises on your job, the family's doing well, you got plenty to eat in the refrigerator, come on. You know, things seem to be going well. Uh, you're able to pay all your utility bills. You don't have to work, you know, you don't have to be worried about if the, if swept code is going to be coming around the corner. <laughs> Come on now. I mean, you know, life seems to be moving along fairly well. And then without warning, without any type of signal, all of a sudden stuff starts to happen. Maybe for months, you, for years, you, you, you've been relatively peaceful, come on, stable, happy home, huh? 
I mean, everything's going good. I mean, you know, the children graduating, going to college, doing all this stuff. Uh, no major hardships and no major troubles. And all of a sudden, something happens. Maybe a good relationship suddenly deteriorates and falls apart. You ever wonder why it is that people after being married 45 years get a divorce? You, ever wonder, you, you would think that if you've been together 45 years, if you've been together 20 years or 25 years, you ought to be able to make it. Come on now, if, you, if you've been with that same person for 25 or 30 years, you would think that you would begin to apply biblical principles and make your situation work. But then all of a sudden, something happens. After 30 years, we're looking at it on the outside, look, y'all like a perfect family. Husband, wife, two kids in the suburbs. Huh? Driving nice cars, nice vehicles, wearing sharp clothes. On the outside, it looks great. But then all of a sudden, it seems like Relationship now suddenly just deteriorates and goes apart. Child starts acting up, start getting into serious trouble. Maybe some unexpected bills arise or maybe an investment that you put some money into went bad. Maybe you lose your job, lose your home, or, or you lose, a, a, a beloved family member goes on to be with the Lord. Uh, any number of things. Maybe you're diagnosed with a life-threatening illness. All of a sudden, Life changes, right? All of a sudden it changes. You believe you've been doing everything right and in return, stuff happens. Have you ever asked the question, why? I mean, uh, and I know we do it all the time. You know, God, why? God, I'm tithing. I'm giving offering. God, I'm, 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 I'm showing up to be disciple. Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you my best. I'm, I'm, I'm pursuing you. Lord, why did this happen to me? Well, when you look at it and you think about that situation, if, you may be thinking about a situation in your own life. This was the situation that happened in our text. Go to Job chapter 1. This was the position that Job found himself in. Amen? Job had a good life by all accounts and marriages. Would you all agree with me? Job chapter 1. Let's get there right quick. And we'll start at verse number 1. Job had a good life. In fact, if you measure it by the world standard, Job was very successful. Uh, uh, it, it was a very successful life. It was a satisfying life. It was a happy life. And, and, and Job, we're going to see the Bible, let's know he was a moral and righteous man who loved the Lord with all his heart. Then suddenly, everybody say suddenly. <laughs> you know, in, in the Bible, that word suddenly can be good or it could be bad. But suddenly, Job out of nowhere, one tragedy after another began to bombard him. Before Job could comprehend what was happening, it was all over. He had lost everything. His, his ideal life was interrupted by satanic attack. Look at what the text says. There was once a man named Job who lived in the land of us. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. Let's read, read that from the King James Version. I like the way the King James text reads this. It says, in front of the KJV, it says, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was what? Perfect. And he was what? Say it again. He was perfect. And what? And one that feared God and eschewed evil. Look at the next verse. Let's read. It says what? And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. See, whether you realize or not, ten children was a sign of blessings and prosperity. Nowadays, you got ten children, people think, what is wrong with you? Do y'all know that you can do something to stop that? <laughs> That's what we start saying today. But guys, part of Job's uh, wealth, and, and we're going to see his great substance, uh, was, was personified by having 10 children. That was a blessing. So don't, when you see somebody being fruitful and multiplying in, in the covenant relationship, come on now. You don't need to be, you got, and some guys go around, man, I got 15 children. 15 children by five different women, you ain't married to none of them. That ain't right. Hello. But here, Job's situation was one where 
Ten children was a sign of blessings and prosperity. Look at the next verse. It says, what? His substance was also was 7,000 sheep, 7,000 sheep, and 3,000 camels, and 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 she-asses, and a very great household. So this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. Now, now again, watch this. Next verse, let's read it. It says what? And his sons went and feasted in their houses everyone his day and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. Now, in the text says, and it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and what? And he did what? And he sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offers according to the number of them for Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did what? Continue. Now look at the, look at the next verse. Verse 6 says, well, now that was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, whence cometh thou? Where you come from, Satan? The text says, then Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, watch this. Every time I read this, I get chills. Watch what the text says. It says, what? Has thou considered my servant Job? And every time I think about that, I'm wondering, would I, as a born-again believer, child of God, would I be willing to put my name right there where Job's name is? Or would God have the confidence in me to tell Satan, have you considered my servant Doyle Adams? Have you considered my servant, Tanya Smith? Have you considered my servant, Curvis Davis? Have you considered my servant, uh, Craig Pollard? Would you substitute your name in there? Watch what the text says. Come on, let's keep reading. It says what? Has I considered my servant, Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feared God and assured the evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught or for nothing? It says, has, thou, has not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy faith. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Now again, we know as the story continues to matriculate what happens. So we're going we're gonna to kind of unpack some of that so we can ask ourselves the question, do we really know how to care? Now, the basic facts about Job's remarkable life are given first in this, in this book, in this discourse of Scripture. We immediately learn what? We learn about his, his home life. He was from the land of Uz. I don't know where Uz was, but it was Uz. You, you, you kind of got to be a bad dude. Where you from, man? I'm from Uz. Sounds cool to me, Craig. I don't know. He's, he's from the land of us. We learn about his, his homeland. We learn about his character. We learn about his family. We learn about his wealth. And we learn about his spiritual leadership because he was offering sacrifice for his children, right? He, 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 we, we learn about the spiritual leadership that he gave to his family. And guys, men, especially, I want you to hear me carefully. It is critically important that men, men lead their families not only economically, but spiritually. Job was a spiritual leader for his family. Amen? And so, so Job's character, you know, is, 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 you know, when we think about his character and how he led, that, that's even more important than where he was from. Some people make a big deal about where they were from, and everybody got to be from somewhere, right? All of us are from someplace. But where you're from doesn't make you who you are to be. Can I get a witness? Some people are from, from maybe some wealthy areas. Or some of you may have, may, may have came from a, a poor, economically distressed area. But where you're from does not, does not have to be a limiter of, of who God can make you to be. Can I get a witness? So, so, so immediately after identifying the man from us uh, as, as being Job in the text here, the writer, the writer here lists two vital facts about his character I want you to take note of, okay? Because I, I want to I set you up and, and let us talk about Job, but really what I want to get to today is how his friends acted. Because, see, we're going to see that his friends didn't really know how to care. 
but let's, let's, let's look at it. First of all, the writer lets us know as it relates to Job's character. First of all, Job was blameless or perfect and upright, as the Bible says. Okay, if he's perfect and upright. Now, now, now when, it, when it says that, it's essential for us to understand how these two words are used. He was blameless or he was perfect. He was upright, okay? The word blameless or perfect does not mean sinless. Are y'all with me? Job was human, therefore, he could not have been sinless. He had some sin in his life. Nor was he perfect in the sense of the word that we use it today. That's why when you read your Bible, guys, it's critically important that we, that we understand uh, uh, root words. And you may not be a Greek or Hebrew scholar, but it's, it's important that we go, we, we, we insert ourselves into the context of the text. Are y'all with me? What, what do I mean by inserting myself into the context of the text? In other words, I have to go back to then and to there to understand what it's saying to me here and now. Can I get a witness? So, so a lot of times, we have to do that very same thing with words. Because we'll go to the text, read the text in our language, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll try to understand it, a word, based on how we use it today. And words have a, have a, have a, have a, have a, have a tendency to change over a period of time, and they have those certain nuances that will change that word from what it used to mean. Because remember, I, I share this with you all the time, there was a point in time when I would say he's a gay man, that would meant, gay used to mean what? Happy. But now if I tell you he's a gay man, what are you going to think? He's a homosexual. He, he has same-sex attraction, right? There was a point in time uh, when, when the word, you, you, how many of you ever heard the word dope? Dope used to mean somebody who's silly or who's stupid. Well, now, if I come up to you and say, man, that's, that's dope, bro, that's dope. What's, what does that mean? That means, that's cool. Some of y'all some of y'all ain't cool as I am. You don't know what I'm talking about. So, so I, I have to look up cool. Where my, where, where my folks at? I got some folks who help me with my cool words. But, but if I say, man, that, that ride, that car you riding in is dope, man. That suit you got on is dope. Man, you dope. That don't mean you're stupid. It now means, it used to mean silly or stupid, but now it means what? Man, you cool. You got it going. You sharp. You got it going on, man. You the you the bomb. <laughs> bomb don't mean you're gonna blow something up. <laughs> so when you go to the text, it is critically important that we understand that words matter. And we have to get an understanding of those words. So so when when, when the Bible says Job was blameless or he was perfect, uh the Hebrew word is T-A-M, tame, okay, which refers to being blameless of outward or willful sin. In other words, Job didn't have something going on in his life that he knew was sin, and he continued to practice it knowing that he was against the will of God. Some of us sitting here right now got some stuff going on in our life, some secret stuff that, that we know is wrong, but we're still doing it undercover. I didn't get one amen. I, I didn't get one amen on that statement. I didn't say it was you, but you all know what's happening. So I, I need to get one amen because some of y'all must got some secret stuff going on undercover. Boy, that was deafening silence. Usually that would get me a half an amen, bro, Craig. But, but I didn't get one amen when I said some of you got some secret stuff going on. You know it's sin. We've, we properly exegete the text and you understand hermeneutically that what you're doing is not right, but you're still doing it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> The Hebrew word <laughs> blameless means out, uh, 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 he, he was blameless of outward or willful sin, guys. Uh, you know, not, not that he was, he was walking in sinless perfection. It suggests that Job was innocent of deliberate and conscious sin. That he was a man of integrity who walked closely with the Lord as described later on in chapter 31 where the Bible talks about Job, Job was moral, he was honest, he was just, he was loyal to his family, his wife and family, he was generous to the poor, and he was faithful to the Lord. Job didn't worship false gods or idols, but rather the only true and the living God. For this reason, he sought to please and honor the Lord in all that he did. His heart was pure. Everybody say pure. And so consequently, he was in right standing before the Lord. 
So again, the Hebrew word for blameless there is tame, which means, amen, he was blameless of outward or willful sin. Just so, there, there are some Christians who just doing stuff they know is wrong and they don't care that it's wrong, but it's because sin is pleasurable for a season. Sin is pleasurable, everybody say, for a season. See, if sin wasn't pleasurable, people wouldn't be doing it. Come on. Come on, can I take you back a little bit? When you were fornicating before you got married, it felt good. I got to walk today. I got to walk today. Some of y'all want to be honest with me. Come on now. When you were watching what you were watching, it stimulated you. When you were smoking what you were smoking, it got you high. When you were drinking what you were drinking, huh? It had you buzzing a little bit until you got drunk and you threw up and that didn't feel good. See, sin is pleasurable for a season. That illicit relationship when you first started it, man, it, 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 it was fun <laughs> until you had to pay child support for the next 18, 20 years. And you got your check on Fridays. Come on, because you played around a lot. You had five folks getting some of your money. And all of a sudden, you every time you get paid, you figure out sin ain't that pleasant. It was pleasant before season. Until the chickens came home to roost. Can I get a witness? So Job was blameless, so perfect, upright. Second thing about Job I want you to take note of before we get into the, the meat of the text is that the Bible says that uh, Job feared God and he shunned or he eschewed evil. He eschewed evil. That's what the text says. Okay? And, and, and I like that because uh, the Bible lets us know in Psalms 111 verse number 10 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Job eschewed or he shunned evil. The phrase the fear of the Lord means much more than just being frightened of it or feeling fear, it, it means reverence, okay? So, so Job, Job was, he was, he was blameless, or perfect, and upright. In other words, he, was, he, he did not willfully engage in sin. Not that he didn't sin, but he didn't willfully and consciously and knowingly do something he knew was wrong. Did he mess up? Yes. Was he overtaken in sin sometimes? Yes. Because the Bible says, if a man is overtaken in the fault, ye which are spiritual... Go and restore him in the spirit of meekness. Consider your own self, lest you stumble and fall. Amen? So if, if there are people in the body of Christ who fall into sin, and we, if we really care, have to learn how to go and retrieve that brother or sister. Can I get a witness? So, so we see Job's character. Now let's, can we move a little bit further? Now, this book of Job here offers some incredible insights on expressing concern. And it highlights the importance of being patient and praising God despite our circumstances. That can be difficult at times. Can we be honest? Um, you know, sometimes when we're going through something, it's a little bit more difficult to praise God. How many of y'all, when you've had an argument with your spouse Saturday night? No, I ain't talking about Saturday night. I'm talking about Sunday morning on the way to church. How many of you know that could affect you if you allow it to, could affect you in giving your praise to your God? Come on now. Because your spouse who just cussed you out is up there doing this here. Every praise to my God. Every word of worship. I wanna. Every praise. And they like they're so happy. And you thinking, I can't believe this. Come on, don't you tell me what happens out there don't affect you in here, especially when it's somebody close to you. Are you listening to me? So, 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 so it, 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 it happens. Everybody says it happens. So, so. But, but again, learning how to praise God in spite of our circumstances is what we're going to begin to see here. Following the introduction of Job's uh, situation in, in, in chapter 1, uh, 
you know, you, you guys know, can, can we go back there right quick, just real quickly, all right? Chapter, Job chapter one, look down with me um, at verse number, verse number 13. Go to the New Living Translation, verse number 13. Watch this right quick. We're going to walk through it. Most of y'all probably know this, but I, I don't want to take it, I don't, I don't want to assume that, that everybody's read Job. You probably, if you've been in church for any prolonged period of time, you probably heard a sermon on Job. But I, I don't want to take it for granted. Somebody may not have heard it. It says, one day when Job's sons, now this is after God said, have you considered my servant Job? He's upright. He's an honorable man. Gave Satan the permission to attack him. Now listen, in order for the enemy to do anything in our life, he got to get permission. So when stuff happens, when stuff comes our way, guys, I'm, not, I'm talking about this kind of stuff where Job wasn't doing stuff to cause it to happen. Some stuff comes our way because we're making bad choices and bad decisions and quit blaming that stuff on the devil. Some stuff we do on our own because we're trying to please our flesh. Come on. Some stuff we do on our own. It wasn't an attack of the enemy. But sometimes in our zeal to not take the blame, we'll shift it to the enemy. The devil is busy. No, you busy making bad choices and bad decisions. I'm busy making bad choices and bad decisions. And so I can't blame the devil for stuff that I did. Are you with me? All right, so watch this. One day when Job's sons and daughters were, feast, were feasting at the, at the oldest brother's house, next verse says what? A messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them. Look at the next verse. It says what? When the Sabians raided us, they stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Look at the next verse. Let's go. While he was still speaking, come on, he didn't get a chance to even absorb what was just said. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. All right? Keep reading. Let's go. While he was still speaking, come on now, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your elf servants. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Verse number 18, while he was still speaking, man, some of y'all would have lost your mind after messenger number two. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Have y'all ever felt this way in your life before? If it ain't one thing, it's a... You ever felt that way sometimes? It looked look like if, if it's this and that. This stuff keeps coming back to back. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Now watch this. Get ready. Really at home. First it was cattle and, and servants. And now it's getting ready to hit home with your own children. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in, in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all your children are dead. Who? I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Look at the next verse. It says, Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to accuse God. He fell to the ground, guys, and began to worship. Job, I like, I like his spirit. I like his mentality. God, he fell to the ground, and he did what? And he worshiped. Look at the next verse. Watch this, watch this. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I'll be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken away. Praise the name of the Lord. He said, blessed be the name of the Lord. So but now Joe's now think about this like all the stuff Joseph lost, he he didn't uh, charge God foolish. And y'all know the rest of the story how it was that his wife came in and, and, and tried to get him to give up his conviction and uh, just curse God and die. And Job said, You talk like a foolish woman. See, when people talk, when you when you're in relationship with your husband and your wife and they talk like a foolish man or woman, tell them you talk like a foolish man or a foolish woman. Job refused to charge God foolishly. Now, again, let's, 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 let's move to the crux of what I want to talk about because I don't want to lose my time. So after, after understanding all this and uh, after, after, after going through uh, chapter 2, verse 13, the next 38 chapters 
detailed the interaction between Job and his three friends. And it talks about their, their, their many failed attempts to try to comfort him. You know, while, while people, you know, we think about this for a second. While people hope that the church is a safe place to share their struggles, many still wear masks and pretend, come on, and pretend everything is okay when that's not the case. Job here is in a situation, guys, where we're going to see Job does become grieved. It messes with him on the inside. His feelings are, are you know, become very exacerbated because if all this happened to you, wouldn't you feel some kind of way? Huh? I mean, yeah, you love God, but on the inside, you're going to feel a certain kind of way. And guys, let me tell you something. It's okay to ask God questions. Just don't question God. And I've told you time and time again, there is a difference between asking God questions and questioning God. So, 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 so what we're going to discover is, here, here's a core principle I want you to just jot down. The core principle that we're going to understand as we get through all this, core principle is God is our comforter. Ultimately, God is our comforter. God will use people, but ultimately, we got to look to God for our comfort. God is our comforter. Amen? Now, but see, in the church, guys, we got to begin to understand what it really means to care, and we got that, that care has to be manifested through the expressing of concern for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay? You know, it's, but, but many of us sitting here today uh, haven't experienced that kind of care from our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, so as a result, we feel like we can't, we can't share our struggles with people. We really can't be, uh, you know, open and honest. And, 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 and some of us have learned the hard way that in some churches, it's not okay to be not okay. I'm going to say that again because some of y'all missed it. In some of our churches, it's, it's not okay to not be okay. Because we got to always tell people, how you doing, brother? I'm blessed with the Lord and highly favored. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm an overcomer, not an underachiever. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus who loves me, gave himself for me. And we go on through all the Christianese and the stuff that we use to speak. But deep down inside, even though you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, even though you're the head, not the tail, there's some stuff that can come to your life that can cause you to feel a certain kind of way on the inside. And Job experienced a great deal of tragedy, amen? A great deal of tragedy. Opening up should be, you know, to, to other brothers in the, Christ, in the body of Christ should be an humbling experience, not a humiliating experience. Instead of people feeling shunned for acknowledging their situations and admitting their struggles, imagine what it would be like if we celebrate the willingness of people to be vulnerable and transparent expressing concern. When we express concern, when we show that we really care about expressing concern, it gives people a, a, a safe zone to share amen, what they're feeling, what they're going through. Because what they're feeling is what they're feeling, but it may not be right. But it is what they're feeling. Can I get a witness? Yeah. Gee, man, we learned something yesterday. I mean, we had an awesome study yesterday. And one of the things that we learned, we, we, we said we got, there's a battle plan for how to deal with stuff like this. There's a battle plan to how to deal with adversity and struggles. We said, number one, we got to admit the struggle. That's the first thing, right? How many of y'all brothers are there Saturday? Come on, raise your hand. First thing we got to do is what? Admit the struggle. What's the second thing we got to do? Identify the lie. Because there's always a lie that comes along with stuff that comes our way. Because the enemy will tell you stuff about you that ain't true. The enemy came and told God, if, if, if God, if you let me have my way with him, he's going to curse you. He's he going to give up having faith in you. God, if you let me have my way with him, I, I, he, he's going to walk away from you. The devil will try to tell you that God doesn't care about you. Stay away from that church. Don't you dare tell anybody your business. Hello? Many of us grew up in family. You, 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 you better not tell nobody what's going on in the house. Y'all All kind of crazy dysfunction be going on up in there. You better not tell nobody. And really, some stuff needs to have been told so some people could have gotten delivered. 
There are families, guys, that molestation is a part of the family heritage, but nobody wants to talk about it. There are families where domestic violence is a part of the family heritage, but nobody wants to talk about it. So as a result, people suffer and don't get free because we hadn't, didn't have the nerve to talk about things that need to be talked about. In the church! If we can't talk about it in the church, where can we talk about it? So, so, so admit the struggle, identify the lie, and then we say what? Replace it with the truth. Because the enemy is always telling you something that's not true. So if you chase something out, you got to replace it with something. A lot of times, we, we may stop doing something, but we don't replace it with truth. If we don't replace it with a, with a, with a vibrant and a purposeful pursuit of God, then something else is going to come along. Another idol is going to come along and fill that void that you just kicked that other thing out. So that's why you got to replace it with something. That's why some of us keep doing the same stuff. We chase some stuff out, we stop smoking, but then we start doing something else. Because we don't replace it with the truth, okay? So we, guys, again, when we say what? Admit the, admit the struggle, identify the lie, and replace it with the truth. Amen? Keep coming. We're going to learn some more about that, okay? Now, but again, frustrated by his friend's accusations, and, and let's move forward. Frustrated by his friend's accusations and allegations, uh, you know, Job didn't really... Didn't really have a, 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 a group of friends who showed they know, that they knew what it meant, what it really meant to care. Watch this, guys, if you will. Go with me to the second chapter, of Job, and let's look at verse number eleven. Job chapter two, verse number eleven. I'm talking about expressing concern. Job chapter two, verse number eleven. Now watch what the text says. Are you there with me? Let's read. When three of Job's friends heard of the tragedy he had suffered, they got together and traveled from their homes to comfort and what? Console him. Their names were Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Namanite. Uh, when they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely recognized him, wailing loudly, tearing their robes and threw dust into the air over their heads to show their grief. I, I mean, now, now think about this for a second. One of, one of the things that would happen in, during ancient times whenever uh, there was great sorrow or a death of a loved one or something like that that took place, uh, they, would, they, would, they would tear their clothes. They would rent it in two. They would just tear it and then put, they, they would dress in sackcloth and ashes to show they're grieving. Now here these guys, are they coming? They, they see the man from a distance. And can you just imagine this? They, they, they barely could recognize him. They start hollering. Come on, tearing their robes off and throwing dust up in there. All right, to show their grief. <laughs> but watch this now. See, so people can show out when they want to. Have you ever been to a funeral when people showed out? Huh? Now you crying over mama, crying over uncle, crying over grandpa now. And when he was alive, you didn't even go see him. Hello, just showing out. Next time you do that, I'm going to tell the funeral director, open it up and put her over in there. I can't live without you, mama. Yes, you can. But where were you when mama was alive? All I'm saying is people know how to show out. <laughs> and sometimes they don't really care like they, think they, like they make you think they care. So see, caring is shown in our action. Look, can we get moving? Watch this, watch this. Okay, so verse, verse number uh, 13. 13 says what? Let's, let's read. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights. No one said a word to Job, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. Sometimes, guys, you don't have to have an answer for what people is going through. Sometimes you just need to be there. They just need to see your presence. You, got, you don't have to come with some deep philosophical uh, word of prophecy. The Lord told me. No, the Lord ain't told you nothing. <laughs> and people can say the darndest things. Come on, can say the darndest things and have no clue what they're talking about. 
But they, they, they slap on the Lord said. Hello? All right, now, I got to keep moving, okay? So, so Job, watch, watch this. So, uh, the text says, go, go with me, if you will, to, let's, let's, let's move to the next, the next chapter right quick. Verse number one of Job chapter three. It says, at last Job spoke and he cursed the day of his birth. Now, he didn't curse God, but he cursed the day of his birth, he said. Let the day of my birth be erased and the night I was conceived. Let that day be turned to darkness. Let it be lost even to God on high. And let no light shine on it. Let the darkness and utter gloom claim that day for his own. Let a black cloud overshadow it and let the darkness terrify it. He was talking about the day he was born, his birthday. The one says, let the night be bottled off the, blotted off the calendar and never again to be counted among the days of the year. In other words, when that, that day comes, just take it off the calendar. Now watch this now. This is, this is he's expressing his grief. It says, never again to appear among the months. Let that night be childless. Let, let it have no joy. Let those who are experts at cursing, uh, whose cursing could rouse Levithion, curse that day. He goes on and on and on and, 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 and is, is grieving very profusely here in this text. But now watch this guy. Let's keep moving. I want you to turn with me, um, if you will, to uh, go go to uh, to the 16th chapter uh, of Job. Now, I I, I got to move forward on this because I, I want to try to help us get through this. Now again, what begins to happen is y'all y'all know, y'all know the story how it was that Job's friends, those three friends, when they learned of his circumstances, they took it upon themselves to come together to sympathize with and to comfort their friend. Okay, uh, the, the, again, initially they they displayed uh, compassion by following Job's lead. And they were sitting in silence. But after seven days, when Job finally spoke, he expressed that grief in such a, a, a utter dismay. Uh, and, and he shared what was really going on on the inside of him. Okay? But now, at some point in time in this story, his friends you know, felt that there had to be a reason for his suffering. Okay? There had to be a reason for his suffering. And, 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 and you know, instead of turning to God, Job's friend began to make false accusations and offered some bad advice. And because Job did not do anything to bring calamity on himself, nothing that his friend said was accurate or comforting. Again, you don't have to understand the why of a suffering or an adverse situation in order to help in the adverse situation. In order to show that you really care. Now, now I, I want you to just, a couple of care considerations, I want you to just jot down real quickly. Sympathy, not empathy. Everybody say sympathy, not empathy. Okay? Sympathy, not empathy. What are you talking about? Well, sympathy, let, let's define it. Sympathy refers to expressing concern and feeling sorrow for people due to their situation. That's what sympathy is. It's, it refers to, and it's up here on the screen, it refers to expressing sorrow, concern and feeling sorrow for, for people due to their situation. Well, what is empathy? Because a lot of times we get these two mixed up. Empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. Okay? The ability to understand or to share the feelings of another. Now, this is important because sometimes... If we're not careful, we try to empathize. We try to put ourselves in someone else's shoes before we really can get get moving and start showing that we really care. All right? The Bible talks about showing sympathy, not necessarily empathy. All right? Let me say it again. The Bible speaks of showing sympathy, which means expressing concern and feeling sorry for the people due to their situation, not sharing, uh, uh, sharing concern and, 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 and helping because you can empathize with them. Because sometimes I don't, I don't know what you're going through. I, I can't, I can't I, sometimes I, I, don't, I can't put myself in your shoes. Hello? If, you, if, if, you, if I'm trying to feel what you're feeling because you lost your mom and your dad, I, 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 my mom and dad are still living. So I, I can't have that same level of empathy. Can I get a witness? But I still can have sympathy. And my sympathy can drive me to show compassion and to minister to you, even though I can't empathize at the level that you are. Somebody say, well, man, you know, 
you know, if you really want to be able to help a, somebody who smoke weed, start smoking weed so you can feel, know what it feel like. You big dummy. Now, granted, I will say this. If you used to be in that, come on, I think you can have a greater degree of empathy. But whether you were in it or not, you still are, are, are moved by the Holy Spirit to show concern for people who are facing adverse situations. Amen. So Job's three friends here come. So, so, so Job's three friends come and they start. And I'm not going to read the whole text, but what happens is they start to. They start saying stuff like, Job, man, come on. Come on, come clean with us, man. Dude, all this stuff happened to you. You lost your cattle. You, you were a rich man. You lost your cattle. You lost all your servants. You lost all your children. You must have done something. Because it was commonly thought of, uh, particularly during these times, when tragedy happened to you, you must have did something wrong. And even today, most of us, when something happens in our life that's negative, we think, well, what did I do wrong? And people start saying, you must have did something wrong for all this to be happening to you. But guess what? The Bible says Job was a what? Upright man. He has shunned evil. He has shewed evil. See, sometimes stuff happens in your life, and it's not because you've done anything wrong. We live in a fallen world, and because we live in a fallen world, guys and girls, sin is in this world. And the enemy, Satan is the little G God of this world. So he's working stuff like he was working in Job's life here. But his friends, in their attempt to show they really care, because remember they showed out when they first saw him, he, he looked so bad. Come on now. Y'all ever saw somebody who you went to school with, and you meet him 25 years later, and you're like, ooh, we. Job was suffering. Remember Job, his body was attacked late on. Balls all over his body. And then when they looked at him, they, they, they just start hollering, throwing dust up in there, wailing because of what their friend looked like in their zeal to show that we are in grief and we, we feel you, brother. We care for you. But now, all of a sudden, they start talking to him. Come on, tell us what you did, man. Come on, did you mess around with your wife? Come on, did you cheat somebody in business? What, what did you do? Come on. Did you worship an idol God? What did you do? You had to have done something, Job, for all this stuff to be happening to you. But the Bible says that, that Job, Job, Job didn't do anything wrong. Watch. Go with it right quick. To, 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 no, as a matter of fact, just jot this down. Job 16, chapter verse number 2. Uh, when Job became frustrated by the, his friends' uh, accusations and their allegations in their attempt, quote, to comfort him, Job says something in, in Job 16 and 2. He says, and I'm going to paraphrase, he says, you are miserable, you are miserable comforter, all of y'all. <laughs> That's what he said. Once he says, I've heard all this before. What miserable comforters you all are. Y'all just, y'all miserable. Here they are, friends, supposed to be sharing and showing that they care, but Job said, y'all are some miserable comfort, comforters, all of you. And, 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 and so Job, Job, Job goes through this process and he's, he's, he's feeling these things. So, 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 so what are we trying to learn from this? Because these guys obviously did not know what to say, how to say it, and how to help their friend. So when, and part of it, I think, is so sometimes they were trying to get understanding. When, when people think that they must have understanding in order to care, hear me carefully, when people think that they must have understanding in order to care, it does a few things, and none of them result in caring. When you think you got to understand it before you start caring, well, I got to figure it all out. Now, again, sometimes when you help people, uh, you don't want to enable people. If you got a financial difficulty and you keep coming to me for help, I, want, I, I do want to teach you how to fish so I can feed you for a lifetime rather than giving you a fish and only feeding you for the day. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about sometimes, sometimes we refuse to help people because we don't quite understand what it is they're going through. We, we can't empathize with them. When, when I'm helping somebody, especially in certain areas, I want to make sure that, that I can help you long term. If I just give you money, I'm helping you short term. Especially when you keep coming back. If you came two or three times, that means you got a problem. And it's a problem that you hadn't, you hadn't, you hadn't recognized and you're blind to it because you think 
The answer is, it's borrowing that money from me. When the answer is, stay at the restaurant. Come on, can we talk? The answer is learning how to budget. The answer is you need some additional revenue coming into your household because what you have right now is not matching up with what you're spending out. Can I get a witness? So you need a side hustle. You know what a side hustle is? You be an Uber driver. Go work for Lyft and drive, be friendly and drive people around and, 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 and get paid and they'll give you a tip. And you may not have to do it full time, but just get you a side hustle until you can get stuff, get your expenses down to where your revenue covers what it costs you to live. Until you understand that, you keep suffering. And keep praying to God too. God help me. God, God will help you, but you got to help yourself too. Okay, watch, watch. So, 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 so when people think they have, they, they gotta, they gotta have, have understanding in order to care, it does a few things, and none of them are caring. What happens when we think that? Number one is it becomes an excuse to, to delay caring until we feel prepared. It becomes an excuse to delay caring until we feel prepared. Sometimes you may not ever understand fully what all transpired, but when God moves you, and again, let me say this right quick, because I, I think I had some of y'all a little scared when I was talking about that scripture about uh, entertaining people, bring them to your house. Listen, God, God, will, move, God, God will move you. I, what I was talking about is a situation where God moves you and he's clearly speaking to your spirit to house that family for a week or two. I wasn't talking about every Tom, Dick, and Harry that come down the street that they come stay at your house because some, some, sometimes the, God, Lord, the Lord ain't moving you to do that because some, sometimes the devil is moving them towards you. But what I'm saying is when it's clearly God is giving you an unction in your spirit, you got to move. Amen? You got to move. That person that nobody else wants to help, God put in your spirit, you keep, he keep coming up in your mind, God wants you to help him, so you got to move. Is everybody with me? So, but again, it becomes an excuse for delaying caring until we feel prepared. The second thing it does is it tends to put the focus more on the problem than on the person. Again, when people think that they must have understanding in order to care, it tends to put the focus on the problem than on the person. See, real care ministry is about the person, not the problem. Amen? We keep trying to fix the problem and God said, I need you to love the person. Amen. Because sometimes we think fixing the problem is loving the person. And I told you before, you can fix a problem but not love the person. And God is all in the people. All right. Y'all got that? So it tends to put the focus more on the problem than on the person. And lastly, it makes it easier to push the responsibility off to pastors and people with specialized training. Because when you're... But Pastor, you know, a couple having problems, I'll send them to you. Now, listen, you've been coming to marriage fellowships and marriage retreat for 30 years. At some point in time, when are you going to be equipped to go and minister to another couple? Hello? Now, I don't mind counseling with whoever I need to counsel with, but at some point in time in this body, all of them to pick out a couple who's strong, who's, who's solid in their relationship, who will give sound biblical advice, who I can pair another couple up with. You've been coming to marriage fellowship, but are you applying this stuff in your own life? Can I call on you, or, or are you going to get in there in the council session and start arguing with your wife while y'all trying to mess with the couple? I should be able to, to, to entrust somebody in here who's shown that they get this stuff and they apply it to the life. Y'all with me? All right? So, so, so. You know, those are some things that we got to be careful of. Now, the other thing you got to be careful of when, you, when you're trying to show care in this situation, don't do like Job's friend did. Don't jump to conclusions. Everybody say, don't jump to conclusions. You know, Job went through some stuff, guys. He absolutely did. You know, but, but, the, but the good part about it, I don't want to leave you hanging because I, I don't have time to go through the whole story, but, but I want you to, I, I, what I want you to understand is that in the end, everything that Job lost, God restored it back to him. 
many times over. That's the good part of this story. See, even when you're going through a hard time right now, God is able to restore you. He's able to put you back together again. Amen? So when you're, when you're dealing with folks, don't jump to conclusion. The next thing I want you to, to, to consider is this. Because Job's friend, they kept, they kept picking, they kept picking, they kept picking, picking. Just picking. you got to be something, Job. It's gotta be, you, come on, you, something you're holding out on. They kept picking. But, but, but they were jumping to conclusions. Because we already discovered that Job was an honest man. Console the heart and the soul. Everybody said console the heart and the soul. Soul is that, 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 that the emotional realm, the mind, the, the intellect, the way you think. So, so, so what, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Let me give you some things right quick. Uh, in doing so, don't ask nosy or irrelevant questions. Can I help some of y'all when y'all trying to comfort people? Don't ask nosy or irrelevant questions. I'll roll through them right quick. Okay? Number two, don't focus solely on the incident. See, when y'all got to arguing in Walmart, husband and wife, and start fighting each other, it goes deeper than just the fight. Hello? It goes deeper than just the fight. So I'm going to focus on, I'm, we're going to talk about that, but I got, I got to go deeper than that because there's something, something, something wrong with you. When you get into a situation like that, something is wrong with you when you as a husband and wife are into, in, into, into fighting each other and cussing each other out. There's something deeper than that. So we're going to talk about the issue, but we, we're not going to focus solely on that incident because you got something on the inside need to be dealt with. Don't share pat answers. No, don't just share stuff that, you know, well, you know, uh, you just hold on. Everything going to be all right. Yeah, hold on. But you know what? We got some, we got to have some strategies for dealing with this issue. Some of us give stuff, answers that we've heard over the years, and it doesn't really, it doesn't really help the person. Don't give, don't share pat answers. This stuff that you, you know, just, you heard down through the years. Uh, you want to give a strategy. You know, don't just tell a man, you know, be better. Show him how to be better. Don't tell a man, you know, uh, uh, be godly. Show him how to be godly. Give him a battle plan, guys. A battle plan, huh? Admit the struggle. Identify the lie. Replace it with the truth. That's a battle plan, okay? Don't, and next, don't make judgmental comments. Don't make judgmental comments when you're trying to show that you care and deal with a situation. Y'all got that? And some of us are, are good at that, making judgmental comments. Hmm. Shouldn't have married me in the first place. I told you. Come on, wait a minute. Now. They, they, they're married now. Come on. So we got to teach them how to do covenant marriage the right way. You haven't told them before they got married that that's not going to solve the problem, right? So I guess your answer is just go and divorce them since you told them not to get married. See, sometimes we... <laughs> people are something else. Here we go. Next, next, next. Watch, watch that. So those are some of the don'ts. What about the do's? What about, what about the do's? Do express sympathy and show respect. Do express sympathy and show respect. When you ministering, trying to show that you care and you're dealing with people, do show sympathy. Do express sympathy and show respect. You got to do that. Do express sympathy and show respect. Second thing you need to do is do demonstrate compassion. Jesus was compassionate. The Bible says that, that he, was, he had compassion and, he, and that compassion moved him to go and heal those who were sick. Do demonstrate compassion. Do rejoice and mourn with people. When God blesses you, I'm going to shout with you. I'm not going to be sitting over there mad cold. When mine coming? If God blesses you, I'm going to shout with you. Do rejoice and do mourn with people. When you're going through something, and listen, I, I, I want to be able to be there and I'm going to mourn with you. I'm going to cry with you. Amen? Next one, do share a compliment or notable character quality. When, you, when you're ministering to people, there's some, there's some good things and some, some, some positive things that you can see. Share that with them. Do share a compliment 
or notable character quality. Man, you're really good at taking care of your family and everything, but you know what? You got to stop cussing your wife out. I mean, I, I admire you for being a brother who takes care of your family and you're there for your children, but, but, but you, can't, you can't keep doing this other stuff. You know, I'm, I'm going to compliment you. The sandwich method, start with something good. Man, we appreciate you being a part of this ministry. You know, you, you've been a real blessing. You've helped us uh, along the way. Uh, and and, and I, I, I know you've been here 15 years, man. You, you, you've done some marvelous things. But now we got to deal with this problem right here. Because because of your insecurities, you, you won't let anybody else do anything. And, and, and it's stifling the ministry. And the ministry can't grow because you, you, anytime somebody shows some, some spiritual competency, you try to pack it down because you think they're going to take your job. So the ministry ain't growing because of your insecurity. Why are you insecure? What happened to your childhood that, that, that we need to talk about? Then we close out. Brother, you, you, you've been great. We love you, man. But we got to address this deal. And, and I believe that you can do it. You, you, you're going to be a powerful leader for that, that area of ministry that you're working in. So we, we started with something good, dealt with the issue that was not so good, and ended it with something that was good. Everybody say, eat the sandwich. All right, gotcha. All right, last thing, last thing. Uh, do offer encouragement and keep in touch with people. Do offer encouragement and keep in touch. Okay? Do offer encouragement and keep in touch. Let me get the get last two, two key points. And guys, I, I want y'all to listen to this. Because, uh, you know, I could have read you how Job's friends were acting, but y'all go read it for yourself. They kept coming at him. You know, the first... A few days, they were just silently sat there with Job. Didn't say a word. Some of y'all couldn't have made seven days, could you? Come on, be honest. Some of y'all couldn't have sat there seven days and not said a word, could you? Uh-huh. And seven days, they had enough, and they started talking. After Job started talking. And they were accusing him falsely, okay? So what, what, what are our key points we want to leave with this day? Okay. First one, be loving and kind. When you're expressing concern, you got to be loving and kind. Don't mean that you don't address issues, but you can be loving and kind when you address the issue, when you try to help the person out of the ditch. Be loving and kind. And second thing, understanding is irrelevant in caring. I may not understand fully the problem. I may not be the empathizer, but that, that don't mean that I can't show up that care. Sometimes we want to understand every little dot, jittle, detail or try to express that but see God says you see a person in need let's let's try to show that we care and help them out okay Job finally you know again Job's captivity was turned you know when it was turned when he prayed for those friends who were who were who, who were trying to jack him up by accusing him of doing something wrong so there was something with Job that God was dealing with too sometimes in life guys um, whenever we are facing something it's some stuff on the inside of us. Now, Job, again, his, his situation was, was, a, was a very precarious one, but I thank God that we know the rest of the story. When we look at the rest of this story, we see that God restored everything that he lost. When we look at this story, we see that that happened, guys. His captivity was turned when he started praying for those friends who were being a little devious and not really caring like they should the Bible says pray for those who despitefully use you maybe your situation hadn't changed because you're not praying for the folk who you had out with maybe you're still there suffering in the valley experience because you haven't recognized that God is waiting for your heart to change toward the people who you deem to be unfair Jesus gave his life for you and I that we might have a right to the tree of life. He wants us to be his vessels here in the earth who show that we really care. Are you properly expressing concern for other brothers and sisters in Christ? Are you truly caring in the biblical sense of the word? That's what I want to know. If you're not, hey, we got to get there. We got to learn how to really care. We have to learn how to express concern for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. 
God, we thank you again for just being such an awesome God. We love you and we praise you. Lord, there's so much that we want you to do through us. Help us, God, to get to that place in you to where we are expressing your love to those, oh God, who are, who are suffering right now. We need, a, we need a touch from you today, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for all that you have done for us. Help us, God, to be the person who shows that we really care. We love you, God, and we thank you now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Glory to God. Now, as every head is bowed, every